G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Of all the things that are important to you, what's number one? Pastor Greg Laurie says that one thing reveals a lot about you. What is the one thing in your life right now? What fires you up? What gets your blood pumping? It could be your career. It could be the pursuit of success. It could be relationships. But they should not be the one thing. The one thing should be the pursuit of God. When you get that right, you get everything right. This is the day when the lost are found This is the day for a new beginning Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Again you hear all the angels are singing This is the day, the day when life begins Some tend to think that God only uses perfect people People with no blind spots, no failings, no shortcomings But the more we study the Bible, the more we see how God used imperfect people to do remarkable things for His kingdom. How can we be the kind of person God is looking for? Pastor Greg Laurie answers that today here on A New Beginning as we examine the life of a great leader of Israel who God chose personally over and above other candidates who appeared more impressive. starting this brand new series called The House of David. David is a study in contrast. In battle, he was fearless. In wisdom and ruling his kingdom, he was without peer. But he wasn't some macho dude. He had a tender heart toward God and was both a poet and a musician. In fact, he's the only man described in the Bible as the man after God's own heart. So how many of you would like to be used by God? Raise your hand. Don't do it if you don't mean it. All right, that's pretty much everybody except you, sir. Why, why? <laughs> All right, if you want to be used by, I know you raised your hand, I'm just kidding. But it wasn't very high. It was very just like this. No, I'm kidding. Okay, what kind of person does God use? If you're taking notes, here's point number one. God uses ordinary people. God uses ordinary people. David was just an ordinary shepherd boy, though a good looking one, but he had a deep spiritual life and intense devotion to God, despite the fact that he was just a boy. Just a boy still, but he had this love for the Lord. But God loves to choose ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. Why? Very simple answer. So he gets the glory. If he picks the most talented, if he picks the most handsome or beautiful, we say, well, of course, look at them. But when he picks that other person, a person you would have never chosen, you say, well, that has to be the Lord. <laughs> One of the greatest evangelists in all of American history was Dwight Lyman Moody, best known as D.L. Moody. Now, D.L. Moody was the Billy Graham of his day. D.L. Moody was not an attractive man. He was not an especially intelligent man. 
He mangled the English language, but God handpicked him. He was working in a shoe store, and one of his coworkers decided to share the gospel with Dwight. Dwight responded and gave his life to Jesus Christ. So Dwight went from selling souls to saving souls. <laughs> and he really changed his world. And he was a very unexpected choice. God uses ordinary people. Number two, God is looking for truly spiritual people. God is looking for truly spiritual people, not a holier than thou fake spirituality. I can't stand fake spirituality. People that are so quick to criticize others. People that make themselves look better at the expense of others. People that brag about their spiritual accomplishments. You know, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of godly people in my day, and I found that the most godly people were also the most down-to-earth people with a self-deprecating sense of humor. They were easy to approach, those people that act aloof and better than you, and they do it in the name of spirituality. That isn't spirituality at all. David had real spirituality. It's reflected in his Psalms. And by the way, he wrote probably around 75 Psalms, maybe more. In Psalm 57, seven, he wrote, my heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I love that. He's saying, I know what I believe, I know what matters, and I'm fixed on this, Lord. In Psalm 27, he really lays out the very purpose of his life when he wrote in verse four, one thing have I desired of the Lord. And thou will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord, and inquire in his temple. Notice that phrase, one thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord. Paul had the same idea when he wrote over in Philippians 3, this one thing I do forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forward to the things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. One day Jesus went to the town of Bethany where Mary and Martha lived. They were good friends of his along with their brother Lazarus. And uh, Jesus was hungry, brought a few friends along, 12 in total. Hey Martha, good to see you. Would you mind making some lunch for us? And so she goes into the kitchen. She's trying to whip up a feast fit for a king. Can you imagine if Jesus showed up at your house and wanted a meal? What would you feed him? Would you give him leftovers? Shall we give him these deviled eggs or is that inappropriate? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, sitting in your house. Well, of course, Martha wants to make a fantastic meal for Jesus, wouldn't you? But Mary wasn't helping. She's like, where's Mary? She looks out in the front room. Mary's just sitting at his feet looking up at him. Give me a break. I need some help here in the kitchen. So she became so frustrated. She bursts out of the kitchen, probably has her apron on, food splattered everywhere, puts her hands on her hips. And she says to Jesus, Lord, tell my sister to come lend me a hand. I love what Jesus said. He said in Luke 10, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much. You're getting worked up over nothing. One thing is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it will not be taken from her. Yeah, Martha, look, I'm, I'm thankful you're making me a meal, but this is the main course. Mary got it right. It's the one thing. One thing 
have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. This one thing I do, says Paul, forgetting the things that are behind. Jesus says to Martha, one thing is important. It's the one thing, that singular, clear aim in life. It's been said, quote, our greatest danger in life is permitting the urgent things to crowd out the important. What is the one thing in your life right now? What fires you up? What gets your blood pumping? What are you really passionate about? We all would say, well, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, good, I'm sure that's true for many of us. But is it really? Is that really the thing you're the most fired up about or is it something else? It could be your career. It could be money. It could be possessions. It could be the pursuit of success. It could be relationships. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with any of those things I just mentioned, but they should not be the one thing. The one thing should be the pursuit of God. When you get that right, you get everything right. The pursuit of God. Yes, you can have a career. Yes, you can have possessions. Yes, you can have relationships. These are things God will give you. But the most important thing is the pursuit of God. Jesus put it this way. Seek first, it's the one thing again, the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. What things? In context he said, don't be like non-believers that worry about what they're gonna eat, what they're gonna drink, what they're gonna wear. We could add what they're gonna drive, what, what they're gonna do. Hey, put God first and all these things shall be added to you. This is why David was a man after God's own heart. His heart was fixed on the Lord, and he had that one thing before him. It's great to have you joining us today for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the U.S. So far, Pastor Greg has pointed out that God uses ordinary people, and God is looking for truly spiritual people. What else does God desire? Pastor Greg continues now. Number three, David was a faithful man. He was a faithful man. Now at this particular point in his life, his job was to watch his sheep. He mentions later he faced off with lions to protect them and won. And he would spend hours worshiping the Lord and tending his sheep. Listen, just because God has called you to be a leader, it doesn't mean you're ready. God may show you that he's called you into leadership of some kind, but there will be a series of tests you will need to go through first. Sometimes God will give you a little glimpse of your future, a sense of where you're going to go. That's a good thing. God gave to Joseph a a very profound vision of what he was going to do and that his brothers would be bowing before him one day. But honestly, sometimes it's best to keep your visions and dreams to yourself. Because he told that to his brothers. Hey guys, guess what? I had a vision and you're all like bowing before me. And they're like, we're gonna kill you. (laughs) Well, they didn't kill him, but they sold him into slavery, didn't they? So, you know, he knew you need to wait on these things. The Lord will show you. Don't go boasting of what you think God has called you to do. Just be faithful in the little things. And if it's meant to happen, it will happen. Not through your manipulation or conniving. God will bring it about. Now keep in mind, David has been anointed to be king. He's the king. But he's not walking around saying, hey, I'm the king now. He just went back to tending the sheep. He wrote a lot of beautiful psalms, as I mentioned. 
But one Psalm that probably stands out above all the others is Psalm 23. I think Psalm 23, next to the Lord's Prayer, is probably the best known uh, chapter from the Bible, even by many non-believers. It's recited at funerals and hospital beds when we're afraid. It shows up in movies like Titanic and songs like Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio. <laughs> you never know where you're gonna hear Psalm 23. And then you think, how did that come about? And here's the way I see it. David just sitting around one day looking at a stupid sheep. And he's thinking, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I mean, really when you break that down, I know it's poetic and beautiful, but think about what he's actually saying. The Lord is my shepherd. He's thinking, sheep are stupid. I'm stupid. Sheep are dependent upon me, the shepherd, to protect them. I'm dependent on the Lord to protect me as my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. You ever notice that? Makes me. Why would you have to be made to lie down in a green pasture? Because if you're a sheep, you're dumb. If you're sheep, it's time to eat. Come on, time to eat. Eat the, eat the grass. Now, now lie down beside the still waters, drink. You gotta drink, sheep. They, they need the help of the shepherd. But then he writes later, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He would be very familiar with the primary tools of his shepherd, a rod and a staff. The staff, we know what that is, a long crooked instrument. The rod, basically a club. You need both to direct sheep. You'll use that staff to pull them back into line when they do go astray, and they often do. But then, and periodically, if they continue to disobey, you give them a whack with the rod. Because better to be a whack sheep than a dead one. I read a news article about a bunch of sheep. This happened in Turkey. One sheep walked off the edge of a cliff, and others followed. Well, what is wrong with these animals? If the first sheep get up on the cliff and say, okay, I'm gonna walk off the cliff now. Everybody follow in single file. Let's go. It's not that bad. Let's go. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. You think after the 500 sheep, one of the sheep would have said, I'm not doing this. No, we gotta go. Let's go. We're sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, the Bible says. The Lord, he's my shepherd. But yea, though I walk through that valley, you're with me. And how true that is, how much comfort that has brought to people facing death. How many times has that verse been read to someone on their deathbed? And how many times has that verse brought comfort to someone going through a time of trial? Maybe I'm talking to someone that's in a valley of sorts, of the shadow of death. You need to be reminded that you're not alone in this valley and the Lord is walking with you. Yea, though I walk, through. He didn't say, yea, though I die in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. God is with you too. Isn't that great to know? Maybe he thought of it when he was facing Goliath. Oh, wow, he's big. Over nine feet tall. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Bottom line, David longed for closeness with God. That's why he's called 
the man after God's own heart. His heart seemed to beat in time with the Lord's. And if you want to be a man or a woman of God, you would do well to have the same priorities. Have that one thing in your life. Again, David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. Don't be like the proverbial dog chasing its tail. Get your focus. David was not perfect. He was flawed. He failed on more than one occasion, and God gave him a second chance, and a third chance, and a fourth one. And again, I want to refocus on this. Jesus identified with David. Jesus, the son of David, was born in Bethlehem because David was born in Bethlehem. So when the rule went out, when Quirinius was governor, that everyone should be taxed from Caesar Augustus, you went to the home of your ancestors. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And then Jesus lived a perfect life and then he went and died on the cross and he rose again from the dead three days later. And he's alive and he's here. And he's ready to forgive any one of us who have failed because we've sinned, we've fallen short, we've messed up. Other things have crowded him out of our lives. But here is Jesus ready to forgive us and give to us a second chance as he did to David so many years ago. If you don't have this relationship with God right now, if you don't know that your sin is forgiven or maybe you've forgotten about the one thing and you've been distracted by the many things, or even worse, you've gone after a sinful thing, this would be a good time to commit or recommit your life to the Lord. Let's all pray. Father, thank you for your word to us now. Thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. Thank you for the price that he paid. And now I pray for any that have joined us who may not yet know you. Help them to come to you right now. Listen, if you've never asked Christ to come into your life, or if you want to make a recommitment to him today, you could just pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, but you are the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. I choose to follow you, Lord. I want to have that one thing in my life. I want to put you first in my life. I want to be a man after your heart, a woman after your heart. I commit myself to you now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. An important prayer from Pastor Greg Laurie with those making a change in their relationship with the Lord today. And if you've just prayed those words and meant them sincerely, we want to be the first to welcome you into the family of God. And then we want to help you get started in living each day with the Lord. Let us send you what we call our New Believers Growth Packet. It'll help answer your questions and help you build a solid foundation for spiritual growth. We'll send you the New Believers Growth Packet without charge when you call us on 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And the team would love to pray with you too. Call 1-800-772-936 today. Next time, as Pastor Greg continues our studies of the life of David, we follow along as David encounters a 9-foot, 6-inch giant named Goliath. Pastor Greg offers important counsel for defeating our giants right here on A New Beginning. This is the day, the day.
Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called The Man After God's Heart. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.